0: I teach students all the time. When you're going and you're choosing schools, you've got to understand you're a student with or without the school, but the school isn't a school without students. Mm. And so when you're going to choose a school, you've got to look what's best for you. And so you may go to a certain school and you may have wanted to go there all your life, but is your freshman year the intelligent time to go? Or is it better to maybe choose a junior college, get those same exact credits for cheaper?
1: Welcome to the Investing Tutor Podcast the show for professionals looking to master the most up-to-date strategies needed to build wealth and provide a stable financial future. Here's your host, Dr. Hans Boateng. Hey friends, Dr. Hans here, The Investing Tutor. And as always, I have an incredible episode for you today. So joining us today is Naftali Bryant. Now, he has a fascinating story, and I saw his profile on LinkedIn. And if you're curious, it said, I help students get paid to go to college. Seeing that and knowing that several years ago, I was in college, and the only way to get paid was to, you know, get a part-time job or to do a work-study, I was like, hey, I need to get Naftali on here so that the college students who are listening and also the parents of potential college students who are listening can truly understand the process by which their children can be successful, whether it's acquiring scholarships, being able to navigate higher education. And I feel Naftali is the expert. Uh, So then without further ado, help me welcome Naftali Bryant.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Hines. It's my pleasure to be on your
1: show. Oh, it's such a pleasure as well. So should students consider a community college as a cost savings measure? I've heard terms like two and two, right? Where you do two years Mm -hmm. in a community college and then you move on two years in, you know, a university. What are your thoughts?
0: I actually went that route and, um, it was the greatest experience I've ever had. I went to the I actually received financial aid and then I started once I became involved in student organizations, I started receiving scholarships. So I literally got paid to go to college. They literally paid me um, to sit in class and learn. And this was at a community college. And the reason why part of that happened was I looked at universities in my area and I looked at the community colleges in my area. For the same class, it was hundreds of dollars difference. And so it was the exact same class. And then when I saw that there were two plus two and in some instances, three plus one agreements, I was thinking, wait a minute. Economically, it's intelligent for me to go get the same class cheaper and then take those because I already know they have agreements and transfer to a university if I so desire. So like for me, I actually went to five colleges simultaneously. The Alamo Colleges has Palo Alto, St. Phillips, Northwest Vista, Northeast Lakeview and San Antonio College. And I went to all five. I took a course or courses at all five and I received financial aid or scholarship or both. And I didn't come out of pocket for any of it. And while I was there, I still had the opportunity to intern. I studied abroad in Asia. So I got to run the gamut. I even visited Yale University and the Alamo Colleges paid for me to go visit it. And so Depending on what you're trying to study and depending on uh, what your your economic background is before you even go to college, it's a viable uh, option. Because I tell students all the time, if you got a full ride at a university, you go where the full ride is at because you're not coming out of pocket. But if you've got to come out of pocket and you eventually want to graduate, let's say, from Florida State and you're a Florida uh, native, well, is there a Florida school community college that is going to give you your first two years at a lower rate. So then if you do have to take out a student loan, you've already cut it in half. So that $50,000 student loan may now come to like $25,000, which means your per month after you graduate six months is lower. What's happening is a lot of these students are saying, I've got to go to USC. I've got to go to Notre Dame. I just have to. And then you go, you get $100,000 in debt. And nobody is recognizing your degree. They say, yeah, you went to Notre Dame, but we don't like you. So we're not going to hire you. So now you wind up at Chili's. You wind up at Applebee's. You wind up at Academy Sports and Outdoors doing something you could have done without a degree. But now you have to do it because you have to pay back $100,000 in debt. What do you think is causing
1: the students that go to these universities and come out and they're not able to get the jobs that enables them to be able to afford having taken on their student loan in the first place. Do you think it's just them not being able to identify the right careers? Or do you think there's a personal branding component that students are forgetting?
0: I think it's a little bit of both. When mm-hmm. I talk to students, I want to find out, why are you going to college in the first place? And then once I we find that out, then we say, okay, this is the route you want to take. So that's the first part. A lot of them, especially like first generation students, they're getting the, the the push of you've got to go get a degree. The problem is if nobody around you is telling you why you have to get it, you're just doing it for the sake of doing it. And then when you start getting into school, people tell you how to, to get to school. They don't tell you how to operate while you're in school. And one of the things I tell students all the time is, is, until robots actually develop opportunities, opportunities are in people. So if you've got if you look good on paper, but people don't like you, neither do opportunities. And so when it comes to personal branding, you know, let's say uh, i am mentoring a young lady and she's uh, she just actually became a certified nurse. And I told her one of the things you want to do while you're in college is you want people to know what you're trying to study before you study studying it. So if I want to be a nurse everybody should equate my name with nursing, period. So that by the time I get ready to start getting out of school, then they've equated nurse with my name. And so when I get ready to start applying, you know, people already know who I am. One of the tricks of the, the the trade that I used to do for scholarships was when I seen a scholarship, I would try to apply for it months in advance before it was due. And I would go find out everybody that was involved with that scholarship and connect with them on LinkedIn. Why I was trying to build my brand that I'm the person you want to give the money to. And this is the reason why. So all my community service stuff, all my uh, speaking engagements, all that type of stuff I was putting out there. So by the time my application got to the person, they already knew I was. And so that personal branding paid me to actually go to college. And it wasn't my degrees. It wasn't even my GPA. It was the fact that, hey, I'm looking for a certain person. Do you know a guy or do you know a gal? And I was the guy they knew, but they only knew me because I was intentionally branding myself. This is the guy that goes over and above. You might want to talk to him. And so I, I think when it comes to students, if we don't teach them that networking matters, then what happens is they get this piece of paper and they have to go through computers when they should be able to go through a person.
1: Now, what do you say to the student who feels the brand of a school? is going to impact or is going to determine the network of people that they encounter right for example mm-hmm. going to like a stanford going to mm-hmm. a hill you're going to meet individuals of a certain caliber right versus right. let's say going to a community college and I'm asking out of curiosity, I took the same route where I did a couple of years in a community college, but then obviously individuals will be thinking about this, right? So what do you say to that person?
0: I would say that that is actually true. Um, One of the things I try to tell students to look for is when you're getting ready to go to a a school, you want to look at the alumni. I mean, you definitely want to look at the alumni because that is your first network. So, for instance, let's say um, in, in San Antonio, or at least in the Texas area, Texas A&M University College Station and uh, University of Texas at Austin, they have um, University of Texas at Austin has Texas X. And they're they're huge on helping alumni. So when you're a student, it should be something that you take into consideration. But because of this information age and because of social media, you don't have to necessarily go to the school to get the same network. And so you've got to kind of balance out, is my network on the ground really going to determine my net worth or is my network period? So a lot of the people that I'm connected to on LinkedIn, I've never met. So I didn't necessarily have to go to a Yale to be known for what I do. So it re- it, it, it's a good thought process. And I think as a student, it should be one of the first things you think about um, when you're getting ready to go to a, a college. How big is this network? If I want to get into, uh, let's say, film, then would I choose University of Miami or would I choose an NYU film school? And if I can't afford the NYU film school, how can I get connected to those people in that film school? So it really just depends on both the 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 preschool economics is what I call it and the post-school economics. And if you can blend those well, then that's when you bring up that networking thing. But I, like I said before, I was in community college and I learned that at least in San Antonio, you're two degrees away from the person you want to know, not six, you're two degrees. So it didn't really matter where I went to school. It's was I getting myself involved in those two degrees? And as long as I got the two degrees, then the school could complement it, but it couldn't curtail it.
1: So for parents that are listening, that are worried about, let's say, the cost of higher education, right? Mm -hmm. As you know, because student loans became easily accessible, so then college prices just kept going up and up. And now here we are, in a position where college universities are very expensive right what what is the strategy for parents who are have you know kids or children who are about to go to college what do you say to them are they looking at scholarships are they looking at financial financial aid and what if they don't qualify for financial aid because of their income what are you saying to these parents
0: well, first, I, I asked them to see, at least here in San Antonio, to see if they've got early college high school programs at their high school. And what that basically does is, uh, to a certain extent, some schools, they'll let you join as a freshman in high school. You're actually like a freshman in college. So you can graduate from high school with your diploma and an associate's degree
1: in a, mm-hmm. in a lot of
0: places. So if you're not in that context uh, and maybe not graduate, can you take any classes? from your high school that count as college credit. So you're already knocking some of the costs down because you're not having to take as many classes. Then uh, I always tell students, put in for financial aid. A lot of times what happens is that parents believe they make too much because they're looking at their yearly income, but financial aid may be looking at your freed up income. Mm. So you may still qualify, but because you're looking at one number and they're looking at another number, you don't apply. I always tell them, make them tell you no. Don't tell yourself no. And then I would say apply for scholarships. One of the tricks with scholarships is this, is that oftentimes the, the organization that has that scholarship has to get rid of that money. They have to get rid of it. But what happens is not enough students apply because students believe you have to meet this persona of this perfect student when that's not the case. If there's certain qualifications that are on there, I always applied. If they told me I needed a 4.0 and I had a 3.2, the reason why I applied was because what happens if you don't have enough applicants? If you don't have enough applicants, you may have to pay taxes for the money that you're housing as the organization because you went out there and you solicited this fun- these funds to give it away. So mm. If you don't have enough applicants, you can't give this money away you're stuck. I'm not the one stuck. So my whole thought process was, if you can't get enough qualified students to give away, I apply, give it to me, and I'll become a qualified student. The parents often need to see if any way, shape, form, or fashion that the employment that they have have any educational benefits for their children. It's not just the military that has a GI Bill. There are some companies that will say, hey, listen, if you go to this certain school and if your student has a major in this certain subject, we'll help pay for it why because they know that they can get another employee. So it just depends on on that factor what well, what I wouldn't do is say because I, you know, maybe didn't have an opportunity to save up for my kids, I wouldn't co-sign because then you're putting your each other in debt. Mm-hmm. Number one, I think that's not the best idea. And then number two, I would say, "Okay, listen, if you want to get your bachelor's from this university, okay, let's see" If this community college has a transfer, let's go the cheap route first. Get these first two out of the way and then go that route. So, if you do wind up having to take out a student loan, it's a far less student loan than you would have had to take out your freshman year that you took out your junior year.
1: Absolutely. And one thing that I'll add to that is most parents don't realize that your child can borrow for school, right, as a possible option. But then, if you use your retirement funds, Mm -hmm. cannot borrow for retirement, right? Right. So then you have to realize
0: that. And then too, one of the cost-saving measures may be that if for some reason the the student who's going to school and the parent can't agree on financing or the school, that the student can get a job with an organization that has tuition reimbursement. Mm. That may help. So for instance, um, I know it's a certain credit level, but I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Starbucks has one of those programs that mm-hmm. if you work for them, they'll help with with your school. Yes. So if that's what you, if that's another route, because what you ultimately don't want to do is you don't want to take a good thing, which is getting your education, which is trying to um, take your, your you know have a, a great legacy, take your your family generation generational line to another level. You don't want to take that good intention and mix it with almost unpayable debt when you didn't really have to it, it's like a it, it's almost like student loans are a first responder when they're really a last resort when it comes to higher education
1: it's typically a first responder for individuals that just With everything you've shared here today, it's like if a person doesn't understand, right, if they are not able to navigate the other options, Mm -hmm. that essentially is the only thing that they have to be able to, you know, go to college. So then I'm listening to you talk right now, and I'm thinking back to when I was starting in community college. And, you know, sure, I got financial aid, but then at that time, I just didn't understand the landscape like you do right right now. So then when I was going off to a university, it was that student loan that I kind of depended on because no one was there to share this information that Mm -hmm. you're sharing right now, Mm -hmm. which is why this is so valuable.
0: Mm -hmm. And then, you know, um, one of the things I've found is that people think student loans are the end. Here's something that I, I haven't heard anybody say, but I actually have told students this before. Just because you're getting student loans doesn't mean you don't qualify for scholarships. So if you had to get a student loan to get in the door, why not try to get a scholarship to pay the student loan back?
1: Mm. Let's dive into the topic of debt of a bit. Okay. So, Before we got on the podcast, I could tell your perception and I understand you had made a statement about, um, the person who benefits from, you know, student debt or student loans. Can you yeah. repeat the statement?
0: Uh, I was saying that, um, it's often pitched to students and parents that, um, student loan debt is good debt. And I said that it's only good debt to the person who's receiving the payments. It's not good debt to the person that's paying it.
1: So let me offer another thought. Okay. Good debt by definition should be debt that makes you money. Right. And you should be able to make the money in perpetuity so that that debt gets paid back with the money that you're making. Absolutely. And even after the debt is paid back, you consistently make money moving forward. So when I think about that and I think of An individual who goes for a professional degree or for Mm -hmm. a degree where you know that this degree that I'm getting I'm going to be X right it's not I don't want to name let's say undergraduate degrees that are not linked to a specific skill or job right but then if you know hey I'm going to pharmacy school I get this degree I'm gonna be a pharmacist Mm -hmm. or hey, I'm going to a nurse practitioner program. When I graduate, I'm going to be a nurse practitioner. I'm going to be a dentist, mm-hmm. but not individual. Would you say a student loan for them is good debt?
0: I would say the only variable is, can you actually guarantee that you're going to get the job?
1: Let's, uh, let's
0: assume they are going to get their job. I, I would say if you know for a fact you're going to get the job, then yes. Mm. Absolutely. We speak about what the student loan crisis is, we often speak about how much it's, it's costing the students and how much they have to pay back. When the real crisis is that they went to get something and they're not getting it. The, the real crisis is, is that it was marketed to me that this school gets people jobs. I'm five years out of school. I'm st- I still don't have a job. That's the crisis.
1: That is the crisis. That is the angle that I think is up for discussion because whenever I say student debt is good debt, I'm thinking about it from the standpoint of like a professional or from someone who's done their due diligence. They've looked at, let's say, a school. They've looked at the program they are going to attend. They are looking at graduation rates plus the percentage of students who acquire jobs after they graduate because schools show all of that data, right? Yes, so mm-hmm. People don't look at that and maybe they just go take on student loans. How can it be good debt if you don't know what you are investing in?
0: Absolutely. And, and, and it's one of the things I, I tell students. So for instance, um, I've had a student once that said, um, I, and I was meeting with uh, the student and their parent and they said, I want to be a business owner. I said, well, listen, you can nip that in the bud today. Yes. You can go downtown, you can get uh, a DBA, uh, doing business as, or you can get, uh, you can pay maybe a lawyer, get an LLC, you own a business. Now, is it the piece of paper or is it to learn this skill to do this? And I think once we asked them that question, they're, they're, there would be more parents and students that would do more of their due diligence because then they would know why they should be doing their due diligence as opposed to a degree is going to make me successful. It's not, it can help you, but the piece of paper itself doesn't make you successful. So if you don't do your due diligence, then you're getting a piece of paper and a bunch of other paper to pay for that piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So
1: for all the listeners, it's about research, right? Mm-hmm. When I think of debt, I view debt as borrowing from your future self, right? So mm-hmm. you're money from your future and you're bringing it into your present. Now, the question though is at some point in the future, you will have to pay back that money, right? Mm -hmm. You are decreasing your future income Mm -hmm. because you're bringing that money into your present. So then what you have to do is to make sure that you're able to use that debt or that money to make more money so that in the future you're able to easily take care of or service that debt.
0: I totally agree. I totally agree. I, I'm, uh, I've evolved in my um, thought process about debt. Um, and you know, when you study the wealthy and and you study um, uh, very financially successful people, you tend to understand that when debt is used well, it is a tool. It's just that.
1: So for the parents that are listening that are wondering, okay, where do I go if I'm looking for scholarships? Is there any resources that you can share with them?
0: The first place I would go is to the university that you're interested in, Mm -hmm. um, to their financial aid department. So when you click on, um, it may say cost of attendance tab. It may be um, something of that nature. They'll have a financial aid tab. And sometimes you click that tab and it'll take you, and there'll be on the on the left-hand side a lot of times, there'll be another link for scholarships. Or when you first click on cost of attendance, they'll have a financial aid tab by itself and a scholarship tab by themselves. Most schools, especially the bigger universities, they have what they call general scholarships, which basically means if you meet a certain GPA you put in for an application, it may pull it for 30 different scholarships. And you you actually write one essay one scholarship application, and you may be qualified for 30 different ones. So always check with the school first. Secondly, there's a a lot of websites, but the truth be told, you'll be Googling and searching for for weeks. The best way to look for scholarships is to narrow down um, yourself. So if you're a male, look for all male scholarships. If you're African-American male, look for African-American scholarships then male scholarships, then African-American male scholarships. And the more you do that, the more it'll specify. If you're just a general search for Google, the more it will narrow it down for you so that it's easier to find. A third would be in student organizations, both in high school and when you're trying to go to college. In college specifically, and not just sororities and fraternities, there may be a um, business book club. They may actually, if they're a national um, organization, they may have scholarships that just those students that are involved in that student organization have access to. So a lot of times it's the school, and then after that, it's your local nonprofits. Um, you know, I would Google local nonprofits giving scholarships, and for here, at least in San Antonio, there's an uh, a San Antonio area foundation that has like ninety scholarships they house. There's a uh, San Antonio Educational Partnership. They've, I think they hold another 50 uh, scholarships. So it's nonprofits, it's the school, it's student organizations, and then to a certain extent, local businesses. Uh, I would tell uh, parents all the time, if you if you see the local billionaire that just opened up something, a lot of times for tax purposes, they have their own personal foundation and they give away scholarships. They may not advertise it so that they don't get a bunch of people trying to siphon money out of them but they may be connected to a foundation that's just giving away money and so it it's really just um school first student organizations nonprofits philanthropists um in your local area first and then go outside of your local area
1: so naftali for the parents listening or for the students that want to speak with you or bring you on as a guide coach consultant mentor do you offer any type of services? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Uh, you know, how do they reach out to you? How do they connect with you?
0: Well, they can connect with me via my uh website, ww.sparks, hyphen, daviduniversity.org. Or they can reach me at Naftali Tacoa Bryant on almost all social media. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, Snapchat, I believe. Um, and they could just reach out uh, to me through that way. Um, and I give uh, consultations. And then I also, I'm putting together now a, a packet uh, for the online courses. So basically, everything that I did in college that nobody taught me, I think that's was taken has taken me so long is that this was all internal and I'm trying to put it out that it's of value for the cost. So they can either reach me on my website or on social media.
1: Absolutely. And for everyone listening, I'm going to put those links in the podcast description. So you're going to be able to access them there as well. Well, Naftali, it was such an incredible conversation, brother. Thank you so much for taking the time for sharing so much with us. You know, I look forward to continuing the discussion. Thank you. Thank you.